Welcome back. This week on the show, I talk with Patrick DeMarco. Pat DeMarco is a former NFL veteran pro bowler. He is a former University of South Carolina player and captain on the football team. And he is now back at the University of South Carolina as an assistant director of player relations for the football team. Before we get into the conversation with Pat, let's talk about Rebel Rabbit. Rebel Rabbit Seltzers are a local seltzer company here to the upstate of South Carolina, and their mission is to change the way we socialize, to socialize smarter and healthier. Their seltzers are alcohol-free. They are cannabis-infused. They have two different levels. Um, So they have a wild hair, which is 10 milligrams of Delta 9 THC, and then a mild hair, which is five milligrams of Delta 9 THC. So no matter what level you are, if you've been a user before, um, they have the perfect fit for you. And if you are looking for an alternative to drinking alcohol, Rebel Rabbit Seltzers are perfect for you. Um, As we all know and starting to learn more and more about how bad alcohol is for you, I encourage you to try Rebel Rabbit. Um, You're gonna sleep better, you're gonna be more productive, in the days following and there's tons of harm reduction aspects of drinking a rebel rabbit seltzer compared to an alcoholic drink and if you are drinking rebel rabbit seltzers you're probably getting more educated on your health and your wellness and you might as well be sleeping on an engineered sleep mattress engineered sleep is a local mattress manufacturer again out of this out of the upstate of south carolina and their customer service and their products are the best i currently have three of their mattresses and i've had them for man probably eight nine years now um and if you want to get one of their mattresses use promo code live 15 you'll get 15 percent off your order and the link is also in the show notes for Rebel Rabbit Seltzers. You can use the promo code LIFE20 and you'll get 20% off your order. Both those links are in the show notes. So go get yourself some alcohol-free seltzers and get yourself a new mattress so you'll start sleeping better. So Pat DeMarco, he's an, un- he's an incredible guy. He's got a fantastic story. Um, he was really the underdog a lot of his career and his life growing uh, playing sports, especially on the football field. He wasn't very highly recruited, uh, but he made his way to the University of South Carolina and proved himself as not only an incredible leader, but an incredible player and went on to have a very successful and outstanding um, career, long career in the NFL where he was a two-time pro bowler. He um, made it to the Super Bowl. He played with some of the the game's greats that we know today, like Josh Allen and Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. So um, I think you enjoy his story. He's also just an incredible guy, family man, um, and he is now back in Columbia. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Patrick DeMarco. Pat DeMarco, first off, man, thank you for joining me. And how's your day going? What you up to? Oh, it's good. I'm sitting here on the patio. It's uh, it's golf weather now. It's about 80 degrees out here, so I uh, cannot complain because we know it'll all be about 100 here in about a month or so, so we'll take advantage of this weather. I know, man. Being in Columbia during the summer definitely has its advantages and disadvantages, and one of those disadvantages can be the heat. You, um, you grew up in Florida, so I'm mm-hmm. guessing golf is – I know golf is close to your family in a lot of ways – like what? What was the sports like for you as a child? Like, was it always football? Did you grow up playing different sports? What was it like? Yeah, so I grew up playing everything. Actually, the first sport I played was soccer. I feel like it's every kid's first sport. Um, my evolution of sports, I guess, was soccer to t-ball, t-ball to basketball. Um, in there, I, I did, um, I guess, karate. Um, and my mom said that I got too aggressive with some of the kids, so she had to pull me out. <laughs> Um, so that's when I think they were like, Hey, let's try football. Um, he's pretty aggressive. (laughs) Yes. Started playing football in the third grade. Um, really played all sports growing up. Um, played all sports up until my sophomore year of high school. And after my sophomore year of high school, I made the varsity football team was starting to get recruited a little bit. And that's when I started to, uh, so I dropped basketball, figured I'm a six foot 215 pound kid playing power forward there's probably not going to be too much of a future in basketball for me but i played baseball as a sophomore played football as a sophomore gave up basketball and then after my junior year it was it was just football and i i kind of did track in the off season and i also did weightlifting in the off season just to kind of keep the training and um and that aspect of it going so 
it was uh it was good i mean i think it's it's extremely important to develop all those different type of skills um through different sports as growing up yeah um, i think it, it's a big advantage for kids if they can play multiple sports yep i mean my i i, I still can't dance because i mean some people say man he played soccer you got good footwork don't got that um <laughs> I, I can I can work an agility ladder though. That's about all I got. <laughs> nice. Was there uh, there was no golf growing up? Um, it was mainly uh, my parents would drop us off at like a par three course up the road in Orlando. Sometimes over the summer, um, it was always too slow for me. I didn't really enjoy golfing until college. Mm-hmm. Um, me, me and a couple of the roommates, Garcia, Brindice, Reed McCollum. Um, those guys, we actually would go out and play Sunday after after games on Saturday. That would be kind of our escape to get away. We had Sundays off, so we would usually go out and try to play golf and, and hang out and just enjoy the sun to get away from football, get away from students on campus, kind of, kind of go escape. So that was when I really – that's when I started enjoying it more, and I, I didn't, didn't really get good until in the NFL. Um, and all seasons long, man, you can only work out so much in the morning. <laughs> and started to get more competitive. Um, you know, you go up in the off season, we're playing money games during OTAs and this and that. And I'm like, man, I'm losing. Yeah. I need to get, so I started practicing more and, um, and you know, actually I'm, I think I'm like a, I'm a three or four uh, handicap right now. Yeah. So I, I kept it going. I was a one my last year in the NFL Dang. after my first year coaching in South Carolina, I got to a five. Uh, <laughs> And, and obviously, we, we have our four young kids now, so getting out once a month is my goal. <laughs> Dang, there you go. I was about to say, man, you got to let Coach Beamer get get out there more, but four kids is probably the real reason. Yep, yep, yep. What uh, what position did you play? I read you, you played offense and defense in high school. Yeah, so I played – I mainly played like outside linebacker, defensive end in high school. Um more of like kind of an on the ball Sam and then first and second down and then third down I'd kind of widen out and I'd play defensive end um you know I was pretty athletic so my, my thing was is I'll just put a big old offensive lineman in space and make a miss um but then I mean but that didn't translate really to, to college um uh I mean offensively in high school I played a little bit of tight end played a little bit of quarterback I actually returned punts the second half of the season my nice. senior year so kind of jack of all trades do it all but um you know, during the recruiting process, it was always trying to figure out where I fit. I was always just a good football player. Didn't really have some alarming skill set that sure. was like, this has this kid written all over it. It was more of, let's just get this kid on the field. He's a good football player. He'll make it work. Um, so when I signed here, uh, it was, whether is it going to be linebacker? Is it going to be tight end? Is it going to be fullback? That was kind of what I was trying to navigate and what they were, what they were thinking through. And I got here and there was a senior fullback, Bernard Stafford, uh, in 2007, uh, we called him double stack. He was probably five foot nine, two fifty five, and just rocked up. So I was like, all right, I'll let this guy hit everybody. I'll go around and catch the passes, at least my freshman year. And I'll learn how to block underneath <laughs> exactly what we did. Uh, learned a lot from uh, double stack and, you know, was able to play pretty early here as a freshman, yeah. catch the ball. Field and, and playing on special teams so that was kind of how it evolved and I mean shoot I remember being nine or ten years old playing football with my dad in the front yard taking my shirt off rolling my shirt over my, my head thinking I was Mike Allstott and, um, you know sure enough He's 15, a all worked out and I'm like man full circle here yeah and you think about it man like uh in today's world you don't see as many fullbacks last as long as you did in your career, was there uh, who was your recruiter when you went to South Carolina? So it started uh, as John Hunt. He was the offensive line coach here when I got here. Um, he, I believe, he was here one year with me. Um, coach Beamer was the recruiting coordinator, so he kind of now that I live in this in this college football world, I kind of understand what the recruiting coordinator title means now. So he was over the grand scheme of things. So he ran the entire business of recruiting. Um, so. Under Coach Beamer's wing, Coach John Hunt um, kind of went out, and he was my area recruiter, so he had Central Florida. Um, but I think the biggest recruiter to me was probably Coach Burrier. Um, nice. You know, I I, I I remember my dad showing me on the message boards when I was in high school that a lot of people just said Coach Burrier offered Pat DeMarco because it's a it's a thank you to Chris um, <laughs> from their time in Florida, my uncle. But um, 
I mean, so, I mean, I, I do think that there was something to it, and I think it was, hey, Chris's nephew's a pretty good football player down in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Let's go check him out. And then I, I, I checked the boxes as a football player, um, you know, and, and, and that's kind of how it worked. But Coach Beamer was involved. I remember Coach Spurrier coming into Orlando uh, for our in-home visit right before I committed. And, I mean, my dad – mom and dad both went to Florida. Um, you know, I grew up a big Gator fan, Coach Spurrier, obviously, with what yeah, he did at yeah. Florida. And so I remember this is just a funny story about the recruiting process is my dad was grilling some steaks and Coach Spurrier was in our dining room telling stories. And I think he was talking either Gator football or Duke football. The guy's memory is just incredible. Third and seven, two minutes and 30 seconds to go, like understands <laughs> like everything. Um, but he was telling stories and my dad's like sitting there like drooling over these stories. Like this is, you know, monumental moment in my dad's life listening to Coach Spurrier tell these stories. And my mom pops in and she goes, Mitch, how are those steaks doing? And I could see just like sheer shock on his face, like, holy cow, steaks. (laughs) So he ran outside real quick and the flame is like above his head. The grill's on fire. Like Coach Spurrier sent his own little world, doesn't even recognize it. And my dad's freaking out. So he takes the steaks off. He cuts the char off the top of them uh, and he serves them. And Coach, my, he's all nervous. And Coach Spurrier cut it up, cut up the steak and put it on top of his salad. And it was like, Mitch, this is the best steak you ever made. So <laughs> like, you ruined the moment. Very nice. Did, uh, so, I mean, your parents went to Florida, too. And I think your Uncle Chris went to Florida, too, right? He did, yes, sir. So him and, uh, him and Spurrier, like Spurrier must have loved your Uncle Chris, DeMarco. Well, I mean, I mean, it's with what's Coach Burrier. If you, if you can talk football and you can talk golf, man, you're his freaking best friend. Um, and that kind of leads into another story. I, I mean, my freshman year, we were six and one um, going into playing in Vandy. I think we were ranked five or six in the country at the time. Um, and, you know, and we're kind of the only team we'd lost to is LSU, who won the national championship that year. And so we ended up losing five in a row after that. We go six and six, miss a bowl game. Uh, sour taste in all of our mouths. Remember the first practice that spring, I'm sitting there stretching, warming up during warm-ups, and Coach Spurrier walks by and he called, called me D-Mark. He's like, hey, D-Mark, what's going on? I'm like, not much, Coach. Excited about spring ball and everything. I was like, how's had the golf game end up after kind of the winter? And he goes, he says, shoot, D-Mark, I haven't even considered playing golf since you ran the wrong route against Vandy and lost us that game. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, snap. All right, not touching that anymore. Um, so, Pretty funny, but um, yeah, I mean, if you golf and football um, are two things, if you can relate to a Coach Spurrier, man, you could you could you could spend hours, days with him. Do you uh, do you remember where you were in the 2005 Masters when your uncle lost a Tiger in the playoff? Um, that was yeah, I was back in Orlando. We actually didn't come up for that one. We came up the following year in 2006 when he lost to Phil when he was in the final group of Phil. Um, I remember we came up and stayed the entire week with him in Augusta there, but no, I mean, I remember, I guess it was COVID 2020 when, when they didn't play Augusta in the spring and they did the recaps of the, the greatest final rounds. And Chris was in like three of them. And I'm like, <laughs> Holy cow. Like, I was like, wow, I did not. I, I, I definitely took it for granted how cool my uncle was yeah, back when time. I was in high school. Uh, like if this was now, like if we were living this now, like, this would be the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, especially like, I mean, I know he lost, but losing to Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, it's like, I mean, Tiger's probably my favorite favorite athlete of all time. It's pretty incredible. Yep. No, but, I mean, pretty cool. And Chris has some really cool stories about all that. And, and I mean, those experiences, like we, my me and my sister would travel with him once or twice a summer um, with uh, Uncle Chris and my Aunt Amy. We would go before they had kids, and they'd just take us. So I guess we were their trial run um when they were younger and and now they have three kids themselves so it's uh it was it was pretty cool and i I definitely took it for granted when i was when i was growing up in it but now like now loving golf as much as i do i'm like chris can we remind rewind like 15 years and i'm like this this much into it now (laughs) yeah it's pretty sweet with uh with south carolina like during your playing days there we've kind of t- touched on this before we started recording but like you were there in some of like the best years we've had in a long time like did you re- see that come up happening like what was kind of the evolution through your eyes for the program yes yeah, so, i mean when like my recruiting class in 2007 we were i, I want to say we were 
maybe top five, top six. We were it was the best class that South Carolina has ever had ever signed before. Uh, and I was the measly two star who probably hurt the rankings in general. Um, but you know, you, you, those type of rankings they don't miss that much. Like you know, you sign twenty six kids, usually half of them fifty percent to sixty percent are going to contribute in a big way. So you win. You knew you had a bunch of players: Garcia, Dion Lacorn, um, you know, Chris Culliver. Chris Culliver Jake. Yeah. I mean, we we had some studs in that class: Kyle Nunn. I mean, we had a lot of really good players in that class. So it was like you knew the tide was turning when Coachburg put together a class like that. And then the way that that freshman class worked, like I remember the very first workout, we were sitting there going through it. And we, we our first workout was 110s. We had 2110s. And we had the older guys yelling at the freshman class, like, hey, guys, slow down, man. You're making us look bad. And we're like, well, then hurry up, catch up. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we ain't waiting on y'all. Like, you guys haven't made a bowl game in, in how many years, whatever it is. Like, aren't you tired of six and six, seven and five? Like, don't tell us to pull back. Why don't you, why don't you catch up? Um, so I think that was like kind of the big, the biggest transition in, in growth uh, for the playing standpoint. But then as you saw, the, the recruiting classes just stack and mm-hmm. stack. I mean, we had, I mean, that, that year in 2010, my last year when we won the East, you look at, I, th- I want to say almost every single player on the defense had a shot at playing in the NFL. Yeah. I want to say. Insane probably seven of the 11 offensive guys from that starting from that starting year had a shot in the NFL. So like we were pumping out some really good talent. And then I think it was just learning how to go from being a mediocre team to being a great team. Um, and that's from a leadership standpoint, from a work ethic standpoint. Um, and that's why having a guy like Connor come in who we kind of grew, like he was a freshman my senior year. And you could tell just his work ethic just from his first week on campus, just from summer workouts. Like Garcia was kind of the top dog, and we'd go through workouts, and we did a lot of competitive drills. And Connor didn't back down not one bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Connor was w- would be sitting there waiting and be like, hey, Steven, come on, me versus you, let's go. Um, so you knew that the place was going to be in good hands when Connor came in. I mean, he didn't play that much as a freshman, which, which he wasn't expected to. But he learned and he grew – and he kind of sat in the back and was very quiet, like he was most of the time. But you could just tell he was taking everything, and he's like, okay, when this is my show, this is how I want to do things. Okay, when, I, when I'm running the huddle, this is how this is how I want it to be. Um, so kind of seeing the evolution of, like, even the young talent when I was an older guy there, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, the machine's yeah. just getting rolling, too. Uh, <laughs> led into the 11-1 seasons and all that, so – it was really cool the ramp up period, and I think uh, that 2007 class was a pivotal piece to it. But you know, you need more than just five or six pieces. You have to really stack them, and, and they did a great job recruiting and, and developing talent. And, and then, then it's on the players and the leadership to really step up. And um, guys like T.J. Johnson and, um, and Connor Shaw and D.J. Swearinger, Devontae yeah. Holland, Marcus Lattimore, man, those guys took it to a whole new level. What was it? Uh, who's more entertaining? Uh... DJ Swag or Garcia? Depends on the mood you're in. Um, if, if you're in, if you're in a party mood and you're gonna be knocking back a few drinks, I mean, Garcia, you, I, I would put Garcia up against everybody. But from an everyday energy mentality, just like Carpe Diem, like seize the day, man. DJ's top notch. Um, but to completely like locked in work mode, DJ or like kick back, laid back, let's have fun, Garcia mode. So time and a place for both. Yeah, get a little bit of both. I saw uh, DJ had a, a pretty good game in the X, X, XFL, I think, this past week. Yeah, weekend. I want to say second game, pick six, had a sack. Like, but, I mean, he's a stud. Like, we're, we're, like that's what that's what's expected. Is there – was there a reason why, like, I thought he should have, like he, – he would kind of, like, move teams in the NFL a lot. Mm-hmm. Was there a reason, did you, like, hear why? Um, I heard that he didn't kind of, I, th- I think there was like some leadership stuff, like some of the old captains didn't really vibe with him much. I mean, DJ's going to beat to his own drum. And that's he's the a beauty. big personality. And that's why he's been so good and so successful. Um, so I think there's, was probably some next year influence there, but 
he still put together what a seven or eight year career yeah. with having around as much. So his play obviously stood out for itself. I mean, the guy was one of the top paid safeties in the NFL with the, with the Washington Redskins for a certain period of time. And then without playing football for two or three years, have a pick six in your second game. Come on now. Like, yeah. He, he's just, he's just a ball player. Um, and, and that's the beauty of him. He's beats to his own drum. He's, he's gonna, he's gonna vibe how he vibes. Um, and that's what's, that's what makes him so successful. Yeah. Dude, I mean, like you said, he's always successful on the field. And that's why I was like, man, like he's the, I mean, I love him. Um, obviously mm-hmm. the culture around South Carolina, like when we were not doing so well, you know, 2017, 18, 19 or so, I was like, we got to have another DJ swag. Like we, that's what yep. we're missing out there. Yeah. You, you, um, you graduate and you go into the NFL draft. What was your mm-hmm. mindset going into the draft? Um, please somebody pick me up. <laughs> Did you think you would get drafted? I, there was a chance. I mean, talking with my agent, some scouts, I knew it was like late sixth, seventh round, undrafted free agent. Um, and, you know, like, I'm kind of glad I didn't get drafted. Uh, cause I think it kind of put that chip on my shoulder. Cause I knew I was talented enough. I knew if the opportunity arose, I was going to be successful. Same thing as a two-star prospect coming into South Carolina. I knew I just needed the opportunity. Um, and you know, kind of my NFL journey. I mean, not getting drafted was kind of pissed me off, but that kind of was that chip on my shoulder. But that was lockout year too. So there was a lot of uncertainty in that. So 2011 draft went by, draft finishes, bang, lockout starts. So I'm, I'm working at a gym here and over in Lexington, uh, South Carolina, just basically front desk at a gym, still training for free, trying to at least eat to stay in shape to, so I'm like, man, like hopefully this lockout lifts and I get my opportunity. So it probably was two, two and a half months until the lockout lifted in July. And I got called by the San Diego Chargers. Um, they gave me a whopping, basically gave me a high five to come sign out there. Uh, and I gladfully took it. Flew out there to the West Coast and, and broke my foot the third day of training camp. Just on a standard wind back, cut off the backside defensive end play. Just put my foot in the ground and felt a pop. Um, you know, being a hard-headed fullback like I was, I didn't pull myself out of practice. I didn't even go see the trainer. I just grinded through it and went into the training room right after practice. And I was like, hey, can I get some ice for my foot? My foot's bugging me. And they're like, well, hop up on the table. Let us check it out. I'm like, no, give me the ice. Let me go. Um, and they're like, well, we're not giving you the ice unless we can examine your foot. And I'm like, my foot's fine. I just finished practice. Can I just get some ice, please? And they're like, let us examine your foot. So I hop up on the table and they start – poking around and they're like well you either sprained your foot really really bad or you broke a bone in your foot and i'm like there's no way i just finished practice and they're like your adrenaline's going this is your third practice first day in pads like and you're a fullback like we're not we're not surprised that you finished practice <laughs> um so i mean went, going through all that having surgeries two days after that you know opportunity comes to play in the nfl after the lockout and not getting drafted it was a big bummer just having my dreams almost shattered just like that, breaking, breaking a foot in a standard cut that I do a hundred times of practice. Uh, it was extremely frustrating, but having that happen, that's part of my story. That was part of the, part of the chip on my shoulder. Um, and then kind of leading into that, I, you know, I had surgery, was released from the chargers after that. I went, uh, I guess that was in March when I got released by the chargers, my foot was completely healed. And then, um, was holding on to hope that some other team was going to give me a shot and knowing it was going to be a long shot though. So I had some dialogue with coach Burrier about potentially being a GA and getting into coaching, getting my MBA, going to grad school here at South Carolina. Um, and he was all on board. He's like, dude, we'd love to have you, but you know, just take your GRE test and, and get into grad school. And then the rest will be history. So two days before I was signed up to take the GRE, the uh, Kansas city chiefs called my agent and they're like, Hey, um, we're interested in working out Pat. Is, is he still interested in playing? I know it's been a while. Uh, is he in shape? What's his weight at? And all this stuff. Major's like, no, he's geared up, ready to go. He's excited. He's been training. This is this is his moment. Uh, Major called me. He's like, hey, man, I just told the Chiefs that you're like 235. What's your weight at? How are you doing? Do you still want to do this football thing? Like, I sold you. Like, can you, can you go and execute? And I'm like, I'm 228, but I'll be 232 for the workout tomorrow morning. Um, so I flew out to Kansas City, worked out for the Chiefs. They signed me. 
um, went into training camp there that year. Um, within the first two or three weeks, man, I was running with the ones and twos. It was uh, it was really cool to see that ramp up period and how fast it was. Having not played football in a full year. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, they weren't planning on keeping a fullback that year. So they released me and kept me on the practice squad. Uh, probably biggest blessing in disguise. Um, I, I was able to learn how to be a pro. I was able to get my feet back underneath me from a football standpoint, learn the game. Um, you know, our, our GM was Scott Pioli then, who's one, still one of my mentors now, um, who kind of groomed me, taught me how to watch tape taught me how to scout, taught me how to attack people um, from a strengths, weaknesses standpoint. Um, so it sucked me and kept on practice squad, but it it kept the door open. It was an opportunity. It was a lot better than sitting on the sofa in Columbia, South Carolina with a broken foot. Um, so kind of led into that. Um, uh, got activated the last six games we played. Uh, or at, le- at least I thought I played well. Uh, we what went was your first a- game? Uh, first game was against uh, – crazy story. First game was against the – uh, Carolina Panthers, and that was three days after we had a guy on our team commit suicide in the parking lot. So the game got – this was, I guess, Friday when um, Javon Belcher committed suicide in our parking lot. So they moved the game. I mean, I wasn't even – like, I just got, I got – they told me on Tuesday, hey, man, you're going to be up this week and playing. I was playing tackle right next to uh, Belcher – uh, he was playing guard on punt. And so I go to drive into the building on Friday morning and the cops block the gate and they're like, Hey, you need to turn around, go home. There's been an incident here. Your coaches will call you and let you know the next step. And like the whole team's like, what in the world is going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the game actually got moved from Sunday to Monday. Uh, we didn't get moved. It got postponed. We weren't even sure if we were going to play and they ended up moving it just a day back. Um, so that was, yeah, I guess that was first game. Um, and then played in five games later that year, uh, played well. I mean, Jamal Charles rushed for, I want to say we ran for like almost 400 yards in a game. Um, unfortunately, I I think that was against the Colts. Unfortunately, we lost that game, which is just ridiculous to run for 400 yards and losing (laughs) football game. Um, but they released about 60% of the roster after that season, uh, they needed a facelift. That's when I brought in Andy Reid and that whole staff. So, what was y'all's I, record that year? We went two and fourteen that year. Oh. So it was time. Um, but I was one of the guys that got released. Um, so moved back to Orlando with my parents. Was living there for a couple weeks before the Atlanta Falcons called and signed me in Atlanta, and then uh, signed a two-year contract in Atlanta. Um, played pretty well in those first two years. They offered me another two-year contract. Um, Signed that two-year contract. Played really well the first year of that. Uh, was named All-Pro. Played in the Pro Bowl. And then the following year, uh, we made it to the Super Bowl. Um, so, just really cool. I mean, full cycle. Kid, like, undrafted. Break my foot. Think my dreams are shattered. Never going to play football again. Opportunity comes. Kind of out of nowhere. I'm, I'm about to get into coaching, and, and my agent calls me. Hey, do you still want to play football? I'm like, heck yeah. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so I mean, go out to Kansas City, um, you know, get my opportunity back, get released there, go to Atlanta, have some success, get another opportunity to Atlanta, have major success, and that led into kind of going up to Buffalo. And then, uh, you know, after that Super Bowl year, I was finally an unrestricted free agent, which meant it was finally my chance to make money. And before that, I was kind of really handcuffed on what I was, what I, what I could do as a restricted free agent. Um, so yeah, I mean, I signed a four-year deal in Buffalo, um, you know, business decision, take care of the family. Um, and you know, it, it, it gave us two beautiful kids. We had two kids while we were in Buffalo. Weston was one when we moved to Buffalo. Kirsten got pregnant with, uh, Sutton and Coco while we were there in Buffalo. So, um, you know, it's just a really cool story from undrafted free agent, two-star high school prospect to, uh, playing in the Super Bowl, being named All Pro was I was the. I think you're the captain of the team a few times. Too. Yeah, I was, I was captain in Atlanta. I was a captain in Buffalo. I was the, I was the top rated fullback in the NFL. For, I think for four of my ten years. Um, so it was. Um, it, it came with a lot of work, though. Um, sure. You know, I I grinded my tail off. I wasn't the biggest, strongest, fastest guy out there, but I understood angles. I played with an attitude that I try to reference to our guys now in South Carolina. I'm like. They look at me and they're like, man, you used to play fullback? I was like, 
Yeah, and, and it was only about 10 pounds ago. I'm about 220 now. I played it about just over 230. So I was like, you might think I look small, but I wasn't that much bigger when I was playing. I just I, I played with the demeanor that you guys need to play with. I, yeah. I played with a bad attitude. Um, so and, and that was part of my success was work ethic, kind of having that um, that demeanor and that attitude to go out there and, and just not let that opportunity pass. So it was a uh, it was really cool. I mean, goal was to play in one NFL game, and then it was to get accredited season, then become vested at three seasons, then real benefits kick in at five and then i'm like let's just run this thing until the wheels fall (laughs) and then unfortunately year 10 i hurt my neck in training camp um kind of had some nerve damage along my right side i mean i had i dealt with stingers a lot while i was playing and this one just lingered for about 12 weeks i didn't have full feeling all the way down into my right hand and uh we were pregnant with collins at the time so our third um and i met with a few doctors and kind of had to make a, a decision myself that you know, it, the nerve stuff wasn't going to get any better. It was only going to continue to get worse. And the doctors kind of relayed that to me. Um, so it was it was a decision that needed to be made um, for my family and for us and, and just for my overall health and yeah. well-being. Um, you know, it was time to, yeah. to spend 10 in the NFL. That was a, a dream come true and a lot of really cool experiences, some, some incredible friendships I've developed through those years. And, um, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh came with a lot of arthritis and a lot of pain I got now, but um, <laughs> it was pretty darn cool. Man, uh, I think you were probably built for it, like you said, coming out of high school, man, like being yep. underrated, having to prove everybody wrong, and you kind of just kept that chip on your shoulder all the way through. The team and the people at Engineered Sleep are offering you 15% off if you use promo code LIVE15 to get a new mattress, and I cannot tell you enough how much trust I have in the team at Engineered Sleep and the product they will provide to you if you have any questions about your current mattress. If you're getting bad sleep and you think it might be your mattress, it's time to upgrade your mattress, and the team at Engineered Sleep is here to do that for you. Use promo code LIVE15. You'll get 10% off your order, but most importantly, you're going to be working with an amazing company. You're going to have an amazing product, and you're going to start sleeping better at night and you'll start performing better on a daily basis so go to engineeredsleep.com use promo code live 15 get 15 percent off your order and start sleeping better and performing better on a daily basis you met your wife at south carolina yep we met my junior year her sophomore year she was a tried out here um and actually we had a mutual will get you in trouble yeah, I know. Is your <laughs> is your wife a Tridell? No, she's not. No? She actually went to Clemson. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> she's from Florida though, so I say she's a good Clemson fan. She doesn't, you know, she's not too yeah. invested. That's awesome. Yeah, but we we had a, a mutual a mutual friend, uh, Molly Stanton, actually, who tried to introduce us for two years, and we kind of dodged each other. Uh, and then finally, we ended up at the same bar the same night. And Molly like kind of trapped us. She's like, "Hi, I got you two here. It's time for you two to connect." And the rest is history. Uh, I mean, we've talked every day since that day when we met in Village Idiot, uh, nice. right there in South Carolina. Get some good pizza in there. Yes, good pizza joint. And we had a lot of a lot of good times in there. So, yeah, I mean, crazy how 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 that all worked and, and meeting Kirsten here in South Carolina and now living here. Now it's uh, you know full circle there too. It's um, it's just been really cool to be back here. When did uh, when did y'all get married, and how was that balance for like you being playing in the NFL, getting married, and wanting to grow a family? Did she travel with you a lot too? Yeah, so she um, she's a trooper. She um, when I signed out in San Diego, we were just we, we were dating. We I mean been dating for about a year and a half then, so it was serious, but. She still had one more year. She was going into her senior year. So I went out to San Diego, broke my foot, went through all that. I actually came back to do all my therapy back in Atlanta to be with her, be around kind of a good support staff. So I did all my treatment here that year. And then I got called to go out to Kansas City. And she's and she had just graduated. And she's like, you're going to break your foot again. Something's going to happen. This isn't going to – like, I'm not going to move around right now until you're stable. So – she didn't come out with me the first year in in, in uh, Kansas City, so I finished that year, and then the following off season, I had another year on my contract in Kansas City. So we were like, 
we're eventually going to get married. Let's let's start life together. Why don't you move out to Kansas City with me? So she did. Um, so we packed up our condo in Columbia, South Carolina, and moved out to Kansas City. I, I want to say before we even were able to unload the the U-Haul, I got released in Kansas City, and oh. she's like, she's like, the heck with this. I'm not doing this anymore. She said, you need to be on a roster, like an active roster, before I start doing this again. <laughs> so that's when I moved back to um, Orlando, and then I signed with the Atlanta Falcons. And she, once I made the roster in Atlanta, she moved to Atlanta with me that season. Um, and then actually right after that season, so that was my third year, so it was 2013. So I believe we got engaged on January 2nd or 3rd of 2014. Um so no, it was um, it it was really cool. I mean, I mean, but balancing that, I mean, she was she's a trooper. She gave up a career that mm-hmm. she she had opportunities to go work for St. Jude, but she she knew my dreams and she wanted to support me and be with me. So she kind of put her her dreams to the side for me for me to chase mine. And um, you know, a lot of a lot of guys in the NFL, I I needed that. I needed I needed that support staff to be there, my, sure. my ride or die. Um, and she did it. She did it masterfully too and and you know in that god god's blessed us with four beautiful kids um and it's it's been so cool to see is your how old is your oldest again uh weston is seven is he uh, uh what's he playing what sports is he into he's playing everything um he's right now we're in the middle of baseball um so he's playing a little bit of third base um he wants to be a he keeps saying he's gonna be a pitcher when he gets to kid pitch but we're doing coach pitch now uh, are so you helping playing- coach I am, yeah. It's fun. It's um, you know, it kind of gives me my competitive edge. Lets me pass the game along. <laughs> Weston, my son's like, Dad, how much you so much? How can you're so much harder on me than you're on the other kids? I'm like, I just expect more from you, buddy. That's right. Um, it's the way it's always going to be. Um, but he he does flag football. He does soccer. Um, we have him in uh, some little tennis lessons here in the neighborhood. Um, plays a little bit of golf, not much, but I'm just introducing golf to him. Um. But he's interested in basketball. Basketball starts in second grade here in Columbia, so we'll try to do basketball next year. Just like 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 we talked about earlier, yeah, like let him let him try everything early, see what he really likes and enjoys, um, and let him pursue what he wants to pursue. I'm not going to pressure him if he wants to play football, play football. If he wants to play golf, play golf. Whatever sport it is, man, like I'll, I'll be your big, I'll be your biggest fan, buddy. Yeah, for sure. I think. Uh... <clears throat> kids sports or just sports in general growing up do a lot for your development anyways you know mm-hmm. like even if you don't go on to play they learn to be coachability you know communication mm-hmm. follow the yep. rules like get along with others sportsmanship i mean those are life lessons you learn with sports have you had or do you ever reflect on like some of the incredible players you got to play with yeah, I was probably one of the least talented players on the field at most at most no, times. No, dude, you had the right <laughs> mindset, man. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean I was the most talented, though. <laughs> no, I mean I played with some freakazoids, man. Uh, I mean, actually, I was texting with him earlier today. Devontae Freeman, one of my one of my one of my closest buddies that I played with in Atlanta. I played with him for three years. Just a dog, like you'd go to war with that kid every single day. Uh, and I was so glad to be able to pave the way for him. I mean, guys like Julio Jones playing with Josh Allen, um, like Matt Milano, who's a stud up there in Buffalo, is just an all-pro uh, a linebacker this past year. I think he might have been the top-rated linebacker. But, like, I was year nine, and he's, like, coming in, and I'm like, golly, I got to block this dude. Like, he's 22 years old. Up. I'm, I'm almost 32 now. Um but it was just – it was so cool to be able to share the field with those guys. Uh, funny story, I've, I keep talking about my dad, another story about my dad, but when I made the Pro Bowl in, um, after the 2015 season, I mean, I love sports. I, I grew up in a sports family. My uncle played on the PGA Tour. My mom's dad played football at Troy. My dad's dad played basketball at St. Joe's. I have uh, a cousin that played in the Baltimore Orioles uh, uh, organization. So, I mean, sports was just a big part of my life growing up. So, so Kirsten was 37 weeks pregnant when, when I got into the Pro Bowl. And the doctor's like, you can't go to Hawaii. Like, I know you want to go, but if you go into labor in Hawaii, like, I'm not letting it happen. So, my parents went out there with me. Um, and I remember the first night they were there, I was like, hey, let's meet in the lobby at 7. We'll go grab dinner. 
So I get off the elevator. My mom gets off the elevator across from me. I'm like, hey, where's dad? And she's like, where do you think he is? And I'm like, is he still getting ready? She's like, she's like, no, he's been down here sitting in the lobby for the last hour and a half, just staring at all the players that are walking <laughs> by, like kind of in awe. Like my son's at the Pro Bowl with Vaughn Miller and Adrian Peterson and Patrick Peterson and Eli Manning and all these guys. <laughs> and I'm like, I get it. Like, yeah, for if, sure. Like if Weston is good enough to play professional sports or whatever it is, I'm going to be the exact same way. Like I just love sports that much. So, is, is there a linebacker or a D lineman like you know you're going to play against? You're like, man, today's going to be a tough day. <laughs> yeah, you know who we played against them all the time too, and so much respect for him. But it was Thomas Davis, um, who played at Panthers? Georgia, um, and they played with the Panthers for a long time. Um, dude, he ran a four-four through the hole and didn't pat his feet once. And we ran lead week so much when I was in Atlanta, and it was like, hi. Hiya. Like every other play, I was just smacking faces with Thomas Davis. And, and I remember I ended up meeting him um, or at least becoming closer with him after I left Atlanta and was with the Buffalo Bills. And he came up to me at one of our union meetings. and He's like, Pat, I am so glad you're not with the Atlanta Falcons anymore because, like, as much as I know you didn't like those contact, that contact we had to make, I didn't like it either. Like, it was just a, like a bomb went off in the hole every time we hit each other. And I was like – yeah, like, but you wouldn't slow down. I wasn't going to slow down either. So, like, I there was no way to get around it. Um, but he was just a, just a warrior, especially going through. He had, I think it was three ACLs in a row, missed three seasons in a row. Um, I want to say he was the comeback player of the year. I think he might have won the Walter Payton Man of the Year award. So, an incredible player on the field, but a stud off the field too. Um, I mean, shoot, him and Luke Kuechly together, just those two. Yeah. Uh I mean that was a heck of a defense, and 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 you, they, you know that they was, made it the Super Bowl too the year before y'all yeah, maybe. Or after. Yeah, it was like you hated playing them, but you loved playing them because like as as a competitor, you love playing against the best. Um, so when you play against that guys, and that was Sean McDermott's defense, who was later my head coach in Buffalo. Um, so it, it was just so cool to to kind of go out there and compete against those guys, and um, and then to develop relationships with those guys. I was actually. Uh, we, we left for spring break, went out to Aspen here two weeks ago and I was, we were in the Charlotte airport. Luke Keekley went, went walking right by me. I was like, Luke. And he looked at me. He's like, DeMarco. <laughs> yeah. Like we used to smack each other and talk junk to each other all the time, but now we're giving each other hugs and he's beating my kids. So it's, it's just so cool. How's he doing? He's good. Um, I'm not exactly sure what he's doing. We, we just chatted briefly in the airport, just more about, life and how everything is but um you know i think he's you know he he cut his career short and it was yeah. a personal um tough decision i'm sure you know yeah i mean you know just by the body work like he'd still be the best linebacker in the nfl mm-hmm. if he was playing right now um but he made a decision for him and his family i would imagine to to cut that short and you know all the power to him i'm i'm, I'm proud of him and it was it was incredible to compete against him yeah did you um you got to see – were you in Buffalo when Josh Allen got drafted? Yes. So that was uh, my second year there. But yeah, so that year we had kind of a three-way quarterback competition that, that summer. It was – we traded away Tyrod. So it was A.J. McCarron, Nate Peterman, and um, Josh Allen kind of competing it out. And Nate Peterman actually won the job uh, Josh's rookie year during training camp, and we played – Baltimore the very first game of the year and it was like 55 degrees and raining sideways the entire game and Nate didn't play very well not not just Nate but the team didn't play we lost like 34 to 6 um and the kind of they put Josh in there midway through the third quarter and kind of just were like all right you're just gonna learn by the burn like let's go have at yeah. it um and he did some really good stuff I mean same stuff now is his arm talent um and what he can do with his his legs athletically um, kind of went to show you, I mean, he wasn't polished by any means then, but you could just see the talent. You could see the flashes. Um, so no, it was really cool to see his growth. And I mean, now what he's doing out there on the field is just, it's incredible, Insane. but it's a surprise. You, you saw it. You just knew it was going to take time to materialize. Yeah. Um, What's he like off the field? I mean, I've seen some of those like matches he plays in golf. So you like get a little insight into it, but he seems just like a good old dude. He's a bro. 
Um, he's just a full-on bro. Um, I mean, I was 30, I think, when we drafted him, and he was 21. Um, so I'm the old man, and he's the young cat. Um, so it was cool. But but he, he kind of just had the charisma. Like, you knew he was going to eventually take it over, and you knew it was eventually going to be his. And he had the leadership skills. People flocked to him. It was just about him fine-tuning those leadership skills and really learning how to be a pro because he was a 21-year-old kid uh, when he got into the NFL. And, I mean, two, three years in, I, I, like getting groomed by guys like Derek, uh, Derek Anderson, uh, Mitch Morse, Lee Smith, like those are the type of guys I like to say myself too a little bit, but we were the type of guys that really groomed him and taught him what it was going to be like to – to be a pro and be a captain. Um, and he's embodied that stuff and more. Uh, and that's why Buffalo has been so successful. And I mean, just the sheer talent alone and the level he's playing at, it's, uh, you, you expect it to happen here for the next five or 10 years too. Would you, um, would you bet they get a Super Bowl with Josh in the next five, 10 years? I mean that, you know, I, I think if, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but if, if Buffalo didn't have as emotional of a season last year that they had, mm-hmm. uh, between, you know, they went through a lot last year. They, they had a, the shooting at uh, the supermarket in Buffalo in the springtime. Uh, there was a mass shooting there. I forget how many people were shot and killed. Um, but that had to kind of wear on them. Um, and then, you know, the DeMar Hamlin stuff, like seeing your teammate potentially die right in front of you on yeah. the field. That, I, I don't know how you get over that at some point. I was watching that game live. That was – Oh, tough. it was uh, – I was sitting, I was sitting and laying on my bed, like crying. My wife's like, "What's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "I don't know. This just hits way too close to home, babe." Um, and then, then they had the snowstorms where they had some people trapped in their yeah. cars, a couple of deaths there. So just a lot happened in Buffalo last year. Very emotional season for them. Vaughn Miller gets hurt. Just a lot of stuff. And you know, you like to think if, if all that stuff doesn't happen, the culmination of it, they, they might win it all last year in general, but. You know, that didn't happen. So now the opportunity comes, and I'm sure they're going to have a chip on their shoulder going into this year. So, I mean, I think they do under the leadership of Coach McDermott and Brandon Bean um, and with talent like Josh Allen, Von Miller, um, Stefan Diggs, Matt Milano. Mm-hmm. Like, they have the pieces in place. It's um, it's kind of getting over that hump. It's it's it's, be- it's beating, beating Kansas City and getting over the hump. Yeah. Whatever game they had against – I think they – did they beat Kansas City in that insane overtime thriller? Yep. Oh well, no, they lost. That was the um, that was the AFC Championship game. Um, Twelve seconds or whatever it was with the kickoff. Yeah, crazy, nuts. With uh, twenty sixteen, you make it to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all had an incredible year. Like I think you talked about Deontay Freeman earlier. Like you boys, the offense was clicking on all cylinders. Obviously, make it to the Super Bowl. Kind of crazy way to lose it against Brady. Like. When you reflect on that season, what do you think about most? Uh, I mean, I still got a pit in my stomach from it. Uh, being as close as we were to winning the Super Bowl, not walking away with it. Uh, I mean, that's life-changing, right? Um, but it was such a cool experience. This goes back to, like, me just being a fan of the game of football. I'm a fan of sports, man. Like, yeah, it stinks. And a lot of people are like, man, how, like, how did you ever get over that? And I'm like, those experiences are experiences I'm going to have for the rest of my mm-hmm. life. Going through – Super Bowl media day, spending the whole week out in Houston, like having my son who wasn't quite one, like having pictures of me holding him after we won the NFC championship game, um, having my parents, my aunts, uncles, cousins, my wife, like at that event was, was just incredible. But I mean, that, that team, we ever, I think we scored like 36 points a game that year. So like, like offensively, we were electric. Um, mm-hmm. Did Matt Ryan win the MVP that year? did yep i mean that was kyle shanahan's offense um and i mean there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle like you know like you know Devonte freeman tevin coleman julio jones um uh, muhammad sanu um aldrick robinson taylor gabriel a lot of pieces that we added to the puzzle austin hooper like we had a lot of players on offense that it wasn't like we went in the season knowing this was going to be the finished product we added pieces here and there guys got hurt brought in more Guys stepped up, guys that were practice scrum before ended up contributing. Um, but that team was so tight. Like, we did so much together off the fields. Uh, I mean, every single away game, we had 15, 20 guys going to dinner. Um, 
and kind of building the team. Uh, that was a big thing with, with Coach Quinn was like, hey, you guys are only going to be so good if you only spend time while you're in the building when you're on the, on the clock mm-hmm. working. You guys aren't willing to put time and energy into building the friendships and the relationships outside of this building. We're only going to go as far as our talent will let us go. Like as soon as you guys start playing for the guy to the left of you and the guy to the right of you, that's when we really got something. And um, and I saw through 2015, like we kind of had peace, like you saw like flashes of it. But 16, man, we just like the whole team bought in. Yeah. Um, and it was under Coach Coach Quinn's leadership too, which was absolutely incredible. And and you know Kyle Shanahan dialed up some of the best plays offensively I'd ever seen that season. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was so cool to see. And then, you know, after that year I went to Buffalo, but, you know, um, I thought that that team kind of in place, cause a lot of pieces stayed besides, you know, Kyle Shanahan took the head coaching job out in San Francisco and some of the coaches, but I mean, offensively, like I, I want to say I was the only guy to leave. I mean, I was expecting them to like pick up right where they left off. And I think they made it to the second or third round of the playoffs that next year, but, um, I know that there were a lot higher expectations that they had uh, going into that season. Yeah, dude, it's kind of it reminded me of uh, your uncle losing to Tiger too. Like yep. it's uh, kind of in a, like a legendary game that y'all yeah. lost to Brady. Like it was, yeah. What was it? We were up twenty-eight to three, and uh, sack fun. I think they scored, and then Dante Hightower hit Mac sack fumble, kind of set him up, made it a. I think it was still a two-score game, and. You know, Julio makes that catch on the sideline at like the 27-yard line one field goal range to make it a two-score game. We were up eight at the time. Um, and we have a holding penalty, which knocks us out of field goal range. And it's first and 20. And then we start feeling the pressure. Do we run the ball around the clock? We want to try to at least convert and get back in field goal range and incompletion. So second and 20. But then I think we have another holding penalty since yeah. 30. And it was just kind of – the ripple effect of just bad things happening, but you know, there's in in perfect Tom Brady, they win the toss, mm-hmm. they get the ball, they drive down, score, and it's just like, dang, like right 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 in front of us, like we were this close to win it all. But um, you know, there's like there's growth in that. Though. Like I was oh, able to sports, take, you know, I was able to take those experiences with me to Buffalo and kind of teach those to Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano. Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. Um, I mean, there's a lot of lessons I learned from that and that team and and, and kind of growing it that, that I was able to pass along. So, um, you know, silver lining. Yeah, for sure. You always gotta you always gotta find it. I know um I know when I heard you're joining the staff at South Carolina, I was pumped because I was like, mm-hmm. all right, I know like when he was in school there, he played with a chip on his shoulder, he played with the right mindset, like the teams there like had the right mental mentality going into yep. games like with dj and stuff when you decided to stop your career in the nfl did you know you wanted to get back or stay in the game i was actually complete opposite um really i actually i, I told myself i mean because every single coach that i'd ever played for in the nfl was like that you're gonna be a heck of a coach when it's all said and done like, <laughs> like, let us know when you're done playing because we'll be calling you because we'll want you to get into coaching and i'm like dude, you're crazy. I'm not doing this. I see how often you're away from the family. I see the hours you put in, the craziness. A coach's resume is brutal. It's two years, one year, two years, three years. You're somewhere for four or five years. You're like, man, I just struck gold. And all you did was get your kid through middle school. <laughs> and then they got like a new set of friend group. So um, I kind of told myself that I didn't want to pursue that for that reason. I, I, I spent enough time away from my, from my wife and kids while I was playing that I really wanted to dive in. Um, but when Coach Beamer got the job here, you know, we had a prior relationship. He coached me at South Carolina. Um, it was it was intriguing to come back to, to my alma mater and um, kind of live it out and explore and explore coaching. I mean, I knew I'd always love it, but I knew there were always going to be those parts of me that kind of drew me away from it. Um, so, I mean, I when Coach Beamer called me and kind of expressed interest and wanted me to potentially come back on staff, I was like, ooh, man, like, I don't know. I, you know, just finishing up retiring. I, I, you know, I've always kind of told myself I didn't want to get into it, but, but this is a unique opportunity. I'll let, let me pray on it and talk with Kirsten and, you know, over about a month or two of kind of sorting through some of that stuff. Uh, my wife's way smarter than me. And she's like, if you, like, 
the, the thing, Patrick, is, is if, if you don't do it now, five or ten years from now, I don't know what you'll be doing. I know you'll be successful at it, but you might hate it. And you're always going to wonder, what if I would have done coaching? What if, what if, what if? And I'm like, yeah. So you know, I was like, Smith, you tell me I should I should try this. And she's like, I don't see any harm in it because in five or ten years, like, nobody's going to really remember you. Like, your opportunity, it's going to be a lot harder for you to crack into then instead of all your name's hot and you're just coming out of ball. So, so yeah, I mean, we moved back here and, and we explored it. And I was uh, kind of an on-field coach two years ago transitioned into an off-field role uh, last year that was able to kind of give me more work-life family balance, uh, which I enjoyed. So, no, it's, it's been cool. And, um, you know, the biggest thing, the thing that I enjoy most about it is mentoring the guys and kind of giving back. Yeah. Um, and that's, You couldn't have a better guy than I think yeah. you. So. I mean, it, it's been so cool. Um, you know, my, my, my thing is, is I want – every single one of these guys to experience South Carolina the way that I experienced South Carolina and Columbia and the athletic department and everything. I mean, I, I had so much fun. I worked hard. I partied hard. We, we had a good old time. We had success on the field. You know, we didn't have success on the field at times too, but that was all a part of my experience. And, um, and I just, I, I want our guys and I want every student athlete, every student here on campus to experience it, man. Cause it is a magical thing. I mean, when Kirsten and I got married, six of my eight groomsmen were guys I met in college. Um, I want to say five of Kirsten's bridesmaids were, were friends she met in, in Columbia, South Carolina here in college. And like, that's what it's about. It's about the relationships. It's about the people. Uh, and it's about the experiences that you share together. So that's, that's, that's what I love most. And that's why what I enjoy pouring into the guys the most. I mean, I mean, Football, it's just a game, and it's a very important game, and it kind of makes the University of South Carolina go around, especially the athletic department. But, um, you know, they're student athletes, so they got to come here and they got to get a degree, and that degree is not hard to find. You and I, like, college is not easy. Mm -hmm. You balance it with with sports and and trying to be social and and, and enjoying yourself. Like, it's difficult, but it teaches you a lot of life lessons, stuff that's led us into success outside of the sporting world now. so that's that's what I enjoy most is kind of is is, is giving back to these guys and um, and just loving on them. Yeah. What um, what do you you could say? What do you look up to Coach Beamer about and like the way he puts together a program and just like a yeah. a team? Yeah, I think he's um he's just consistent. Um, he's the same guy yesterday, today as he'll be tomorrow. Um. So, yeah, I mean, you just, you just know what you're going to get every day from him. And I think that's – from a player standpoint, like I, I try to view everything from a player standpoint still, which I got to kind of work through. But, like, that's all I ever wanted from a coach was just, like, you to be consistent. If you're consistent, it will help me to be consistent too. So uh, he's extremely consistent. And I think, uh, like, you feel the family environment and the family atmosphere. Like, it's every single recruit that leaves here, they're like – I feel like I just hung out with my uncles. I feel like I just hung out with my cousins. I like it's a very family oriented, and that like that comes directly from Coach Beamer and, and what he's building there. I mean, Emily's around all the time. His kids are around all the time, and and they're open and, and they're and they're great people, and uh, and and I, like that. It just makes it so much easier to want to go and work your tail off for a guy like that who who loves his wife, loves his kids, understands the balance, will kind of gives the coaching staff balance too. He's, you know, one of those things is he says, I never want you guys to miss a recital or, or a sports sporting event. Like you guys aren't allowed to do it. And if I hear you do, I'm going to be pissed. Uh, it was, which I think you picked up from Coach Burger because I heard Coach Burger was a similar way too. So um, I just think it, it's, it's easy to want to work hard and want to be successful for him because you want – like what he's done in two short years here, taking this place from two and eight to eight and four last year in the regular season. Like we're on to something here and it's going to be really exciting to see what the next few years look like. Yeah. And especially, especially on the recruiting trail is, uh, how's it feel for you and your wife to be back in Columbia? It's been good. You know, it's been an adjustment. It's, it's different than Atlanta. It's a heck of a lot different from Buffalo. Um, but it's been good. Uh, I mean, we've kind of fit in pretty quick. Um, you know, the way, it, way, the way it works now is you become friends with who your kids become friends with, um, which has been really cool because our kids have, 
has picked some really cool friends and their parents are pretty cool too. Nice. Uh, it's been really cool to see that and, and kind of build, build a, a small community here. I mean, we, we lived in Atlanta for eight years, but I would say in our two short years here in Columbia, there's more people that if some emergency were to happen in the DeMarco household, I could call more people in Columbia in the two years that would come and sleep at my house and take care of my kids than we would have in Atlanta in the eight years we were there. But that just Very goes cool. into the tight-knit community that Columbia is. Yeah, man. Does, uh, so y'all just had your fourth baby. Is there mm-hmm. plans maybe for a fifth, or do y'all think y'all are done? No, heck no. I can't do a basketball <laughs> team. I can't do a basketball team. I'll check we're, back we're, in a year, dude. Yeah. No, we're, we're already outnumbered. If, if, if it happens, God's working like crazy, crazy miracles. We put defense mechanisms up for this. Got it. And you have uh, you have two and two, man. So it's kind of perfect. Yep. Got the girl sandwich. So oldest and youngest boy. You got Weston, Sutton, uh, Collins. We call her Coco. And then Wade. Wade just turned one yesterday, actually. So it's, uh, it's cool. Um, we got an army. I mean, uh, I, I wanted two. Kirsten wanted three. God gave us four. Um, and what's, every day's. What's you your oldest girl's name? Uh, Sutton. Sutton. I feel for when Sutton brings that first boy over, man. Well, between me and Weston, that boy better say, be tough. Two brothers and you. Yep. Especially like Weston's starting to kind of take on, like he's he's becoming like a tough boy. Like he was always like he was around mom a lot while I was playing. Um, but like now he's starting to like, like I'll walk in the room and he'll like chest bump me. He's like, what's up? What's up? And I'm like, dude, you don't know who you're messing with. Like I might snap into football mode on you. <laughs> has he, does he know, like, has he been able to like understand what you did for a living for 10 years? He does. Like, I think he gets it. Um, but he's also so challenging to a point where he's like, dad, Josh Allen was so much better than you. And I'm like, you're right. But but let's not say that to me. That's not really necessary. Though, <laughs> um, so man, I, he gets it just because he watches football and like he's into all sports just like I am. Um, I don't think he – like I'll show him pictures of being on the field in Buffalo and like pictures on the field in Atlanta. And yeah, I, I think he might remember a little bit of it, but um, he's, he's old enough now. Like we went to a Bills game last year. We went to a Falcons game last year. Nice. And that's where it's really cool. Like to take him on the field, me like me being able to take him on the field and experience it. It um, it just brings so much. It makes me so happy. Sure. With a uh, last question, it might uh, it might cause some controversy with with some people there in Columbia. All with right. One guy, Connor versus you in a golf matchup. Who's winning? Oh, I it, you can call it. We can get him on the phone right now. He'll he'll tell you I beat him by probably five or six strokes. <laughs> <laughs> what uh what course do you frequent or what's your main, main so connor and i actually joined the same club uh here actually i'm wearing a shirt of it. it's wood creek club right there out in lou golf elgin um, oh cool connor was been a member there for i think for three years and we joined last year so connor kind of started taking me out there and i'm like oh this course is sweet um and he's like well hey i i want to hang out with you let's why don't you join out here and we'll play golf together so we we try to play probably once a month and Connor's gotten a lot better. I will say that. I mean, Connor didn't get into golf until probably within the last five years. He actually just got a brand new set of golf clubs. He sent me a picture of them. Nice. He's like, I'm, I'm coming for you, Pat. What did he get? Uh, uh, he got the new pings. The, I think the ping 430s. Um, so I'm, I'm sure with as good of an athlete as he is and as fast as he's picked it up. He'll figure it out. I, I need to practice more in order to continue to beat him. Um, he'll pick it up here soon, and, and he'll be giving me a run for my money. Dude, golf, though, is one of those funny sports. Like, you can take, you know, the fastest, most, like, athletic, can jump the highest on, like, the basketball or football field. You put a golf – you got to put a golf club in their hand. It is – they are the ugliest swing you've ever seen. Well, and baseball, too. Like, other than throwing and catching, like, we had a um, – we had a celebrity softball game. Micah Hyde has an annual event in, up in Buffalo and we did offense versus defense and like some of the greatest athletes in the world, like striking out in slow pitch softball. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like it's the things on a tee. You can't hit it. Like, and it's, if, if you weren't, if you didn't grow up doing it, man, it's a, it's a particular skill set. Golf's very similar, but I mean, it has been so cool. COVID has been so good to the game of golf. Like, you know, different age group, different ethnicities. Like it's becoming like golf is at the forefront now. Um, 
and everyone's doing it. Everyone's realizing it's it's one of the few sports you can play into your 80s. Yep. That's what I always yep. tell my friends who are who are like starting to pick it up or, or thinking about it. I'm like, dude, pick it up. Like we play yeah, basketball gotta, and soccer together, and we don't play that anymore. So <laughs> I got about 20 years to do those sports, and then after that, you're doing the country club sports, playing tennis and golf. That's right. Now, I pickleball. Connor's into pickleball now. It's a good sport. Him. He'll beat me in pickleball. I can promise you that. Nice. I love pickleball. I've played a few times. My wife has been wanting to do a date out on the pickleball court. So. Um, Pat, man, thank you for joining me. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm pumped you're back at South Carolina. Like I said, when I yep. heard you were there, I was like, that's the mindset we need. And especially with Coach Beamer, everything going in the right direction. Um, really enjoyed following you through your career, especially, you know, starting out at the Gamecocks. Um, thank you for joining me. Um, it's been a hell of a conversation. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate it, Sam. This was a lot of fun. Let's do it again. Yeah, man. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, click subscribe on your listening platform for upcoming conversations.